Amen. His name is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. Thank you so much, singers and musicians. Can we appreciate them this morning? Amen. I want to just take a few moments um, and just kind of uh, challenge you and encourage you. If you can just put that slide up, please uh, pray for America. This brochure, this pamphlet that you received is something that the Assemblies of God as a uh, movement across the nation, over 20,000 churches um, have just called for us to pray for America for 30 days. Now this is not something just one church, but this is literally thousands of churches. And I believe that focused prayer is powerful. So I'm, I'm just wanna, I wanna just take a few moments to challenge you uh, to really pray to uh, repost, to share what we put on Facebook, to encourage other people to pray. I believe that the day and age we're living in, we need to do more, not less, for the Lord's work. We need to pray more, not less. Amen? And this is a challenge because I believe our country is in desperate need of God. There has been a moral decline in our nation that is so obvious you do not have to be a Bible student, a Bible scholar. You don't even have to believe in the Bible uh, to, to identify the rapid decline of our culture. You might have heard this before. 1950s in the 1960s in, in our schools, the major discipline problems in our public schools were cigarette smoking, skipping class, running in the halls, spitballs, chewing gum, and whispering in class. Those were the major disciplinary problems that our teachers, our administrators, and our faculties had to deal with in our schools. Today, the major problems, so sad to say, so heartbreaking, Kids carrying guns, knives, and assault weapons. The major problems in our school, followed by arson, drugs, teenage pregnancy, vandalism, and drunkenness. Recently, in a Florida high school, a teacher observed the number of boys in the corner of the gymnasium on their hands and knees. And this teacher rushed up and demanded, what are you doing? One of the boys looked up and said, we're shooting dice, we're gambling. The teacher responded, oh, thank goodness, I thought you were praying. In 1962, prayer was removed from our schools. A couple decades later in the 80s, the display of the Ten Commandments was also removed in our schools. God, with secularism, we have swapped the Bible with man's thoughts, and it's been a disaster that has resulted in the moral collapse of our nation. There has been a stunning rise of what socialists call nuns or nons among our young people. And what that means is more and more of our young people are now identifying in this nation as non when it comes to their religious affiliation. It's, it's the sociologists have come up with that term, nons, or uh, 
just meaning that there's, there's no religious affiliation, there's no uh, a faith, there's no uh, moral uh, uh, guide. There's been a collapse of our faith that has caused a moral vacuum that has been filled with drugs, alcohol, and casual sex. The need for God's people to unite and to pray has been is, is so great in this hour. The prayer focus is for you and I. We are challenged and we are encouraged. We are to encourage other people to pray for our nation. Jeremiah chapter 29, we see that the people of God were carried captive to a foreign land. They were carried captive to Babylon. They were carried captive and they were they were, many of them even died in the journey. Many of them, when, when Babylon came and overthrew Judah, the nation, they carried people captive, but they also slaughtered people. But God said in Jeremiah chapter 29, when you go to the land of Babylon, I want you to pray for the peace of the city. Now, it's easy to pray when we, we like someone, it's easy to pray when, when it's conducive in some ways. But, but God was saying to his people, I want you to pray for the peace of the city. I want you to pray for Babylon. Now that's hard to do. And, and, and I, could, I could relate it to other areas of our life um, when we don't particularly like a political party or we don't particularly like a politician or we don't particularly like even uh, some things that are going on in our nation and, and, and we, we find it hard. But God told his people, listen, you're my people. I want you to pray for the peace of Babylon. I want you to pray for the peace of, of, the, of the nation, of the, of the community, of the people that I've sent you among. Our international community, which we are so blessed in our church to have 25, 30 nations represented. Our international community has come to the U.S. to find a better life, more opportunities, jobs, better jobs. Someone ought to be saying amen and say, God bless America. Educational opportunities, houses, cars, material blessings. And then there are those of us who have been born in this country, but we have taken for granted our blessings, our freedoms, and our opportunities. We have seen an ungodly cultural tsunami that has turned this nation upside down. There has been an upheaval that has affected every level of society, Government, education, media, financial systems, even our churches and ministries have been affected by this ungodly cultural tsunami. We have strayed far from our secure foundations of truth and morality, of honor and of respect. You don't have to look far to see that the word of God is accurate in its portrayal of a society that turns away from God. In Romans chapter 1, Paul pens under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he shares with us what the characteristics will be or what it will look like in a culture that demands its own way. In a culture that pushes God out. In a culture that rejects moral truth. 
and calls truth relative. Here's what Paul has to say of a, of a people, of a culture that says, God, we don't want you. God, we're bent on doing our own thing. We want to go our own way. And you know what God does? The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, therefore God gave them up. What does that mean? Does that mean God gives up on us? No, that doesn't mean that. It means when a people want to do their own thing and, and they persist in it, God has no choice but to move out of the way and allow the consequences of the sin to take place and allow the downward spiral to pick up momentum and allow the cause and the effect to be so powerful and so evident that people must realize they must turn to God or else they're sinking in quicksand spiritually. How many of you are still with me? Yeah. Romans chapter 1, verse 24, God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. For those, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their woman exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of, of the woman, have burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their, their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Listen to, listen to God's assessment, the, an extra, a spiritual x-ray of the soul of America. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are worthy of death, not only do they do the same, but approve of those who practice them. What an accurate assessment. My Lord, what, what a, a description of, of where we are as a culture and as a people. It's sad to say that these characteristics, this moral decline has, has infected the church, has affected the church in many ways to where we are guilty of the very same things that the word of God condemns and that we have preached against. We have seen it come into the church and we're guilty of the same things. God have mercy. The question is what will arrest the moral decline? What will stem the tide of evil? What will halt the decline of our culture? Nothing but a revival amongst God's people. Not until the people of God come alive in their faith, alive in their relationship with Jesus, and not until the people of God fall in love with Jesus all over again. Only when we give more than a polite nod of agreement and a quiet amen, 
but with a heartfelt, sincere, and holy conviction, we give heed to 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, and, and, and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Although we are not the Jewish nation praying for the country and people of Israel, as is the context of that scripture, if you would turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Nonetheless, we are God's people. We are God's people who in principle can come into agreement with God as he has promised in his word. We can pray for our country. You and I are here in the good old U.S. of A, not by accident, but by divine design. God has placed us here for a holy purpose, not just to seek after the American dream, but to seek after the will of God and to do what God has commanded us in his word, that we would preach his gospel, that we would advance his kingdom, that we would do his will in our generation. God's called us to use our resources, our opportunities, our advantages that we have in this nation to promote the kingdom of our God and of his Lord. Can we align ourselves with God's purposes and view the world through a biblical lens? How do we view our world through a biblical lens? By knowing and hearing and giving heed to the word of God. How do we view our world through a biblical view? By knowing God's word. Most Christians today have a worldview that is not in line with the scriptures, but is in line with the culture, or is in line with a political persuasion, or is in line with Hollywood, or is in line with media. God have mercy. The Bible gives us the heart and the mind of God. If we don't know the word, we don't know how it applies to our life. We don't know the promises God has made to us. We don't know what we can claim in our lives for our family, for our church, for our nation. If we don't know the word. So many people are ignorant of the word of God. It's just amazing. I talk to pastors all the time. We have seen a decline of Bible knowledge among Christians. But here at Victory, we're not going to be according to the statistics. Amen? We're going to reverse the statistics. We're going to go above and beyond the statistics. But it's important. See, when you don't know something, you don't enjoy the benefit of it. You don't know what God has promised. You don't know that if he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll bring it to pass. You don't know what your faith could rely upon and what you can receive from God if you don't know the word of God. Two and a, two and a half years ago, uh, we, we leased uh, Hyundai um, Santa Fe, an SUV. And... <clears throat> And what we didn't know is that with this vehicle, uh, there, was, there was an added benefit uh, that just came along with the lease. It was called a Blue Link. And, and this app and this uh, um, uh, service that came along uh, had, had a lot of benefits. But you know what? We never read the, the manual. And for two years, we didn't realize... My wife didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, she was very happy to find out, but it was two years into it that with Blue Link, there was an automatic starter. For two years, we had to endure the cold and the frigid. Well, well, what suffering we experience in this country. 
But for two years, we didn't know that our vehicle had, we were, gonna, we were even thinking of paying three, $400 to have an automatic starter installed. But we didn't know that with our lease came this benefit, this advantage, this nice extra that we had. All you have to do is download the app. You can set the temperature. You could set when you want it to go on. You get all these nice features. We didn't know for two years our lease is almost up. And we missed out on all the benefits. But isn't it true with God's word? If you don't know the scriptures, if you don't know what God has promised, you can't partake of it, you can't enjoy it, you can't be blessed by it. Come on, we need to know to enjoy what God has blessed us with, to to have the authority to pray, to to walk in, in faith. You know, one of the places that I go to study during the week I kind of go through different seasons. I'll go to this place, then I'll go to that place, and I just kind of have a, a certain feel of where I'd like to study and just spend two or three hours working on my sermon once a week at a particular place. In this one place that I, I've been going to, on the way to the bathroom, I notice there's a woman sitting there, and, and she's reading tarot cards. She's, she's a fortune teller. I said, are you kidding me? She's telling someone's future, and, and I overheard her. She was giving her counsel, her wisdom, her advice as, as related to what she was reading in the cards. And I said, God, have mercy. You know, when people are so deceived that they, they, don't, they, they need to look to some tarot cards or, or some, some uh, 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 scam artist that, that, that is reading their cards and giving them wisdom. We got wisdom from the word of God. I remember I heard of a ministry, I think it was out in California. California do a lot of strange things out there, but, but some things we can learn from them. Uh, this one particular, hope no one's from California here. But, but one church in California, what they did in one of their outreaches, they set up a table where they said, we read your fortunes. What they did was they got the Bible out. And we could tell you what your future is going to be like. If you obey God, you're going to be blessed. If you disobey God, you're going to be cursed. If you accept Jesus, you're going to go to heaven. If you reject him, you're going to go to hell. How many of you know you can tell somebody's future? But you need to know the word of God. You need to know God's word, amen? We as Bible-believing Christians and, and as people of faith... You know, we need to pray and, and, and pray for our nation and, and come into focus and come into alignment and join with thousands of churches, hundreds of thousands, millions of people that will be praying for America. How, how, how strategic is this? How, how critical is this? How timely that, that this would come out? Just We got this in the mail weeks ago and then we hear another tragedy in our nation. Another tragedy in our nation. God have mercy. But we need to pray, amen? We need to pray as God's people. Not just any kind of prayer. We need to pray. You know why? Because you can pray and not be heard. You can pray and God will turn a deaf ear. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me. In, in Psalm 66, verse 18, the, the psalmist said, if I, if I keep or regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. We need to confess our sins. 
Come on, we need, to, we need to, 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 to understand that in the word of God, there are certain characteristics of, of prayer that God will respond. Now, come on, some of you are worrying. You say, if that's his introduction, this is going to be a long sermon. He didn't even get into his main text. No, th- my introduction's longer than my sermon. I think, anyway. If it goes long, I'm going to blame it on the Holy Spirit because he's just giving me stuff. Come on, don't look at me like that. Amen. How many of you like when the, when the, when the football game goes into overtime? When the ba- baseball game goes into extra innings? When the movies are four hours? Get to church, we want to run out. Thank you for that week, amen. Second Chronicles chapter 7. I'm going, to, I'm going to rush right through this. You know this. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. What a promise. What a promise. Again, that was given uh, to Solomon and, and, and God spoke that to him for the nation of Israel. And, and again, this is, this is in the context for Israel, but, but again, in principle, we could apply it. The principles of God are true. Why? Can, can we not humble ourselves? Amen? I'm talking about humility. I'm talking about coming before God and acknowledging that we need his grace, that we need his mercy. You know, in the Bible, there's many times that people knelt in prayer. I think that's still a good practice. There's times that people prostrated themselves. They laid down before God. I believe that's still a good practice. There are times why the posture isn't always, doesn't always mean something, but it does, it does put us in a place where we do understand that we are nothing. He is everything. We humble ourselves. Humility is such a, a, a missing thing in the, our churches. There's such pride. We're so defensive. You can't tell people anything anymore. People get defensive. You can't confront anybody anymore because there's a lack of humility. Do you know in the Bible when when, uh, Daniel, when Nehemiah, when Jeremiah, when they prayed for their nation, I'm talking about the people of God. I'm talking about you this morning. I'm talking about me. When we pray for America, you know what? We have to acknowledge that we're part of the problem. Daniel, Jeremiah, Nehemiah, they confessed their sins. They said, Lord, we're part of the problem. The reason why this nation is like it is is because Christians have not taken their faith seriously and we have sinned right along with the rest of the world and we've been, we've been complicit with their, their sin and their evil. If Nehemiah and Daniel, godly men, could say, Lord, forgive me. I confess my sin. I confess the sin of my nation. God help us. We need that that humility. See, when you're humble, you take responsibility. When you're proud, you blame other people. We're living in a nation where everybody's playing the blame game. I know it's going to get quiet. I know some of you are going to look at me with an attitude, but that's okay. I remember what God said to Ezekiel. He said, don't look at their faces. I'm going to look at good faith. Come on, come on. I'm going to look at the people responsive. Amen. Thank you. We're living in a nation. We're all playing the game, blame game. We blame the Democrats. Oh, it's going to get quiet. I know, I know, I know. You're going to get, oh, is he preaching on politics? No, I'm preaching the word of God. We blame the Republicans. There's a mass shooting. I, I had to turn the news off. I had to turn Fox off and I had to turn CNN off. I got all of you right now. I had to turn it off because I was sick of hearing they were blaming this one and they were blaming that one. 
We play the blame game. And you know the blame game started all the way back in Genesis. Right at the beginning of creation. What happened? Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. They sinned. They did the wrong thing. And you know what happened? God came to them. And Adam, you know what I always used to believe? Adam blamed Eve. But you know what? I, as I read that over and over again, you know what? He did not only blame Eve. He blamed God. He said, the woman you gave me. Oh, my Lord. Think about that. Adam was not only... God, the father was a perfect father. God was a perfect father. And he blamed God. He says, you gave me this woman. It's your fault. You gave him. Adam blamed God. He blamed Eve. And you know what Eve did? Blamed the serpent. Nobody's taking responsibility. God help us. God help us. Is there enough humility to go around and say, Lord, it's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. We blame people. We, we, we wonder why our culture is crazy. Look at the media. Look at what we promoted in Hollywood. We wonder why there's, there's such a sensual spirit and, and there's all kind of pornography and there's all kind of lust and there's all kind of perversion and there's all kind of sin. We have promoted sex. We have applauded it. And then, and then we talk about guns. We have promoted it in Hollywood. A movie's not a good movie unless 20, 30 people die brutally. Even our video games. I'm not going to ask you how many people you kill in your video games. You brutalize. Oh, it's going to get quiet. Come on now. Come on now. We, we, we make light of it. It don't matter anymore. We're killing people. We're, we're mowing them down in games. We're watching TV and movies. And the more violence, the more people are killed, the more we enjoy it. And the more people flock to it. The nation's gone crazy. We've gone crazy. And we wonder why there's bloodshed. We wonder why kids are taking machine guns. They think they're playing a game. I know there's other factors, there's mental illness, I know there are those things, but listen, 50 years ago, they were using spitballs. What's happened? The moral decline of a nation. The moral bankruptcy of a nation. A nation that kicked God out, prayer out, the Ten Commandments out, and we wonder why we're in the position we're in, the condition we're in. Humility. Humble themselves. Stop blaming other people. There's enough blame to go around. Yes, we do need some, some, some adjustments in our gun laws. There's greed on the part of the, those who produce the guns. They want to produce guns. Why? Because they make money. But there's also a lot to blame the moral decay of a nation. Where the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, God gave them up. What does that mean? God says, you don't want me. You don't want my laws. Okay, I'm going to get out of the way and let's see what happens. So we wonder what's happening in our nation. God's saying, you want to you wanna sow the wind? You're going to reap the whirlwind. You want to sow to your flesh? You're going to reap corruption. Come on, is that not true? Say amen, spite the devil. Humble yourselves. The church has to lead the way. 
We have to stop and stop blaming other people. Take responsibility and say, what is my, you know, but we all like to blame. Everybody's blaming somebody. Listen, if I blame, if I want to blame people the way I am today, well, I got to blame it on my father. He's going to blame it on his father. His father's going to blame it on his father. You know where it's going back to? Adam and Eve. And you know what? We're going to blame God. Just like him. I remember, I remember a preacher telling the story of two men who grew up in the same home conditions. And, and the father that they grew up under was, a, was an alcoholic. He was, he was uh, an alcoholic who blew his family's money and messed up his family. And he had two sons. One said, one became an alcoholic. And he said, you know what? I'm an alcoholic because my father is. The other son Never, never, never touched alcohol, never went that way. And you know what he said? I'm not an alcoholic because my father was. He made a choice. He made a decision. I've got to make a decision. I can blame things on other people. I can blame my problems on this one, that church person, this one who did this to me, this one who said that to me. And some people are not coming to church today because they got offended. Somebody told them not to sit over there, but to sit over there. Humility. If my people who call by my name will humble, I gotta hurry up. <laughs> Seek his face. Seek his face. The Bible says, humble themselves. Seek his face. You know what's interesting about that? You gotta understand something. When you look at somebody's face, what does that mean? That means there's a there's a connection, right? Relational and intimacy, yep. right? We seek God's hand. What that speaks of is we want his blessing. What can God do for me? How can God meet my needs? How can God supply what I want? How can God bless me? God's not a divine Santa Claus. He's our heavenly father. He's our God. Seek his face. That means intimacy. That means loving him and serving him and knowing him. One time I went to a, a pastor's conference in Florida and, and my flight, uh, connecting flight, uh, I missed it or it was canceled. So they, 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 the airline gave me a voucher for a cab that was like an hour and a half ride to my destination. I was supposed to be right, right at the venue. Uh, I get there late. I get this long cab ride and, 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 and I got to rush to get into the venue. I don't want to miss anything. And, and you know what I realized after the fact? When I was getting out of the vehicle in a hurry, I noticed that the cab driver, he wasn't looking at my face. He was looking at my hand. Oh, you're not with me. I gotta. In other words, he was looking that I have something. So he's like looking at. I didn't realize it until afterwards. He wasn't. He didn't care about my faith. He wasn't looking to be friends with me. He was looking for what I can give him. He was looking at my hand. Sometimes as the people of God, we only look to God's hand. We don't look at his face. But God's saying, I want to be relational with you. I, I want to have a, a relationship. I love you. I want you to love me, not for what you, I give you, but for who I am. Turn from their wicked ways. This is repentance. We've already touched on that, but we come into agreement with God. We don't judge our life based upon Hollywood, based upon social media. We don't judge our life upon even, even church, but we base our life upon the word of God. And what is God, and I'm going to move on, I'm going to finish. What, what will God do? He said, I'll hear from heaven. I will hear from heaven. 
I'm telling you, God is looking for a people. I have studied revivals. I have studied church histories, uh, the church history over the last 2,000 years, and I've noticed one thing. Revivals happen when it's the darkest in culture. When things are the most difficult. Why? Because people get desperate and they know they need God and they can't rely on worldly comforts or worldly strength. They've got to rely upon God. What will God do? He said, I will hear from heaven. God will hear from heaven. What will he do? He'll forgive our sin. What a good God we serve. I thank God that God forgives my sin. God forgives your sin. He's a God of forgiveness. Someone say amen. I will hear from heaven, I will forgive your sin, and I will heal your land. Amen. God wants to heal our land. We need to pray. God wants to minister healing to our lives, to our families, to our church. But we have to, we have to pray. We have to humble ourselves. You know, I'm asking you to join with me as your pastor. That we pray for an awakening in America and we pray for revival in our churches two different things an awakening is when when people who do not know God they come to conviction of sin they come to a, a spiritual understanding of their need for God that's an awakening. We need to pray for an awakening. People are callous today. People are indifferent today. People are angry today. But the Holy Spirit can still break through and create a hunger and a thirst and a desire and awaken them to their need of God. And then we need to pray for revival. Revival is for the church. It's for the people of God to come alive again, to be revived we need to come alive. You know, we need to pray for our nation. God has us here. And just like God told the people in, in Babylon, pray for the peace of the city. Pray for Babylon. We need to pray for America. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, I exhort you that prayers and supplications be made for all people, for those that are in authority, for, for governors, for, for kings, that we may lead a peaceable life. For God desires that all men would come be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We need to pray. Uh, a friend of my wife's that she knew growing up in church, back in her home church in Bangor, Maine, they just reconnected and they were emailing and one of the email, emails was, listen to this, this person, I don't know what church they work at, but listen to what they said. This is just in the correspondence with my wife. Um, you're saying, how do I know it? Do I read her email? No, it came through the church account. Here's what she said, I'm getting ready for a South Korean prayer missions team to come Monday for nine days. They are, there are over 200 South Koreans coming from South Korea to the U.S. to 20 places in the U.S. for the sole purpose of praying with other churches for revival in the United States. Missionaries, they're coming from other nations to America, from South Korea, to pray for nine days to go to 12 cities and to pray strategically for revival in America. God have mercy. We need to rise up. We are the people of God in this nation, in this hour, for such a time as this, and pray for America. Would you stand together with me this morning? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back this morning as we close in these next 
few moments with a challenge to pray the next 30 days, to take a few minutes every day. Simply, there's going to be a prayer focus, and it's just simple. Each day, let, let God's people pray. If my people, if God says, then, if, it's conditional. It's a conditional promise. If God's people do their part, God will do his part. I don't know how much more time we have in this nation or in this world. Jesus could come back any time. But I do believe that whatever time God has allotted us, we're here in this moment of time. Strategically, God has allowed us to be here. For such a time as this, strategically to be praying, to be the people of God, to be the church, to stand in the gap. The Bible tells us in Ezekiel, the Lord said, I sought, I sought for a man to stand in the gap that I might not destroy the land. And you know what God said? I found no one. May God find many, many people here at Victory and around the United States, not only in our Assembly of God churches, but, but every Bible-believing church, every true church of God, praying for this nation, praying for an awakening, and praying for revival. I'm going to ask you this morning, just do, do, do one thing. We're going, to, we're going to leave in five minutes, I promise you. If I don't finish, you can leave in five minutes. But I want to seal, I want to seal this, this call to action by you stepping out of your seat and standing at the altar and presenting yourself and saying, Lord, I want to be that person that prays. I want to be that person that stands in the gap. Come on, that's a holy, that's a high responsibility as the people of God. Come on, all of us committing. Come on, you say, well, I've got my own problems. I've got my own needs. I've got my own things I'm dealing with. Yes, I understand that. So do I. But you know what? We pray. We seek first the kingdom of God. And what did God say? I'll take care of the rest. I've got to keep committing things to him, but it's not going to stop me from doing what God's called me to do, what God's called you to do. Let's seek him first and foremost. Let's seek his kingdom. Let's seek his righteousness. We trust him with all things this morning. If you could just lead us in one chorus, and then I'm going to close us in prayer. But come on, just commit yourself this morning. Not just seeking God's hand. Many times we come to the altar seeking what God can do for us. Now we're coming to the altar to seek his face. We want to know him. We want to be intimate. We want to be in relationship with God the Father.